The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration for leaders who are making their visions happen, and we'll set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. I'm Kate Ebner, and I am delighted that you're here with us this morning. We have a fascinating hour ahead of us, I believe. I'd like to begin by asking you to imagine having to drop out of school at the age of 13 or younger for a painful coming-of-age ritual and an early marriage. This is the future for many young girls in Kenya who are educated only up until 8th grade and must undergo female circumcision as a coming-of-age ritual. Today's guest, National Geographic Society Emerging Explorer Kakenya Nataya, grew up in the Maasai village of Anusane in southern Kenya as the oldest of eight children in an environment where girls typically had no future other than having children carrying water, gathering firewood, and tending cows. Her story and her work are remarkable. I'm delighted and honored to have you here with me today. Welcome, Kakenya. Thank you very much, Kate. You know, before before I, I start to ask you questions, Kakenya, I want to tell our listeners a little bit more about your story and then ask you to share more or perhaps clarify. Um, I know that at the age of five, um, your future husband was chosen for you, and this was a six-year-old neighbor. You were engaged to be married once you came of age, and, and so for those listening, just really take that in. Um, although primary education is compulsory and free in Kenya, by the time Kakenya was in eighth grade, there was only one other girl in her class. Um, Kakenya is a passionate and talented student. She did not want to give up her education. And after a lot of persuasion and negotiation and some sacrifice, uh, some dis- a lot of discussion with her father and the village elders, Kakenya was able to convince to be allowed to continue her education. She left her village to attend college and graduate school in the United States, promising to return. Today, she's back in her hometown, working to make the path much better and easier for young girls. Among her many honors, she's received the Vital Voices Global Leadership Award in 2008. And as I mentioned before, she's a National Geographic Emerging Explorer. Today, she's speaking with us from L.A., where she's receiving yet another award, and we'll talk more about that later in the hour. I'd love to start us off, Kenya, by just telling us a little bit more in your own words about um, how you how you started where you started and have gotten to where you are. You know, can you can you fill in the story for us? <laughs> Thank you, Kate. Um uh it's it's um you know, I grew up in a village where the you know, the cultural norms were the girls don't go to school, they get married when they're early, um, you know, thirteen year olds, they go you know, they get married and that was what everybody was doing. Uh, but being the first of eight in my family meant that I had to help my mother raise my siblings. 
And to me, um, you know, I raised my siblings, but also working in the farm and just doing everything that my mother was doing so that I could help her. And to me, that was one of the most hardest things. Um, you know, I, I always asked myself, uh, I'm just helping my mother. What happens if I'm alone at 12 with a husband that I'm supposed to have kids and I'm supposed to raise my own children? How am I going to be able to make it? And um, my mother always also insisted because um, she dropped out. You know, she was married when she was early and had us. And she always said, if I went to school, my life could have been very different. Mm-hmm. And she always told us that she wanted us to have, you know, never to live the life that she she was living. So she was very, very supportive of me going to school. And when I was in school, um, I liked being, you know, my dream was to become a teacher. I, I tell people that uh, every girl, you know, I was looking up to a teacher because the teacher was just, you know, writing on the wall on the chalkboard, and it was an easy job to compare to working in the farm that I was, you know, doing. And most of all, she looked nice, she looked independent, and and I wanted that freedom. I wanted to be like the teacher. And so I really, um, so I focused on that, becoming that teacher. And even though the, the culture was that, I already had a husband planned for me. And it was a good thing in the society that I was actually engaged when I was five. It meant that my mother was very hardworking. And so the family of their boy were booking me for him because of my mother's hard workings. And um, so it it is, um, so I'm in school. I know I have a husband, but I also wanted to continue with school with with, with becoming a teacher. So that was really what, um, you know, kind of set my stage to focus and go to school and find ways. I mean, when I was 12, uh, 13 years old, um, I was supposed to undergo the female genital cutting, which is a horrible practice that I learned later, even though um, everybody underwent through the same procedure, uh, cutting, uh, because mm-hmm. it is it is a rite of passage to womanhood. And uh, we are told that this is what will make you a woman and you don't cry. Uh, the practice is done under very bad conditions. There is no anesthesia and, uh, you know, an old rusty knife. And, and it is, you know, everybody looked forward to it. But to me, I was in that place, I'm saying, if I go through this ritual, that means I can be married. Uh, but if I don't go through the ritual... Uh, I won't be married because, um, you know, when no man, we believe that no man can marry a girl who has not undergone through the female genital cutting. Um, and so that was my bargaining power. I I decided, I went to my dad and I said, look, dad, I, you know, and this is something that, uh, you know, girls are not allowed to speak to their fathers directly. Uh, you have to go through your mother and the mother takes the news to your, you know, whatever you want from your dad, your mother delivers the news. But in this case, for me, I knew if my mother went to talk to my dad directly, she was going to be beaten and abused because that was also, you know, women are considered uh, like children. We actually have a name that call women like children. And so, and she is a property. She doesn't have any rights. And I, because I had seen my dad abuse my mom over many years, but I, ne- you know, I never liked it. So I didn't want her to be beaten because of me. <laughs> and I had to go to my dad directly. And he 
first he was not, of course, not happy that I was talking to him directly, but I knew that he couldn't beat me because I'm a big girl, and if he sees my nakedness, it's a very shameful thing. Um, so I kind of uh, knew what buttons to press. <laughs> and uh, after that, I talked to him, and I told him, look, you know, I know that you want me to go through this ritual, but I know if I go through it, I'm going to be married, and I don't want to be married. And so... I, I I told him I'm going to run away if you don't let me go back to school before I actually go through the cutting because when I knew it is a very bad, it's a stigma for a, a family or a father to have a girl who is not cut or, you know, who is not being mutilated. So I, I talked to him and I said, I'm going to run away and he will remain with the name, the father of that girl who has never been cut, <laughs> which was very embarrassing for him. Um, but he decided to let me go back to school. So I went to high school and uh, found myself, you know, working hard. And, and yes, I, you know, when I high school, I had my dreams of becoming a teacher. I grew more further <laughs> that I wanted to come to America and get an education because so many boys were doing that, but there were no girls in the community who have ever done that. Mm. Yes. So at that point... You had successfully negotiated with your father, so to speak, that you could stay in school and 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 go to high school. How did you convince your father and the, and the village elders to let you go to America? <laughs> well, um, it is you know I I I, I kind of um, there are so many a couple of not so many I mean about three or four men from my community who have been to the U.S. or, you know, been to India or other places around the country, you know, around the world. And um, every time the male were going, there's always a celebration, fundraising done, people are excited and, and um, you know, but to me it was different, uh, different thing because uh, there had never been a girl in my village who has ever left the village to go to the big cities, live around to go to another country. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the news came, um, I remember the, the men were saying, what a lost opportunity. This should have been a boy's opportunity. And there I was asking them for money to buy a ticket and get myself here. And, <clears throat> you know, through those processes, it was... Um, it was, you know, at that moment, you know, they were all against it. And I realized, wow, I needed their support and I needed them to support me. And it, again, I went back to the culture. <laughs> and we believe that morning brings good news. You know, the sunrise brings good news. And my grandfather always spoke to the sun as it came up. So I was like, this is the best thing, you know. I can go in the morning to one of the chiefs who is like if he says yes it's one of the elders in the village if he says yes most you know all of them are going to follow him so i went to him before the sunrise so when he gets up in the morning the first thing he sees it's me so it's a good news that i'm bringing (laughs) and uh so he looked at me and he said my child what do you want i said well you've already heard that i have you know i need to go to school in america and i want you to support me and I promised him, I said, you know, I know you are all worried about what is going to happen to me there, but I promise to come back, and I promise to be the best girl ever. And, um, you know, I just made all the promises, and if I get my education, I will come and help my community. And I, he just said, okay, I can't make this decision alone, and he sent me to another 
home for another 15 more families, and I did that every morning. And finally, it was amazing how the community or the people who were fast against my coming all turned around and supported me and sent me to America to get an education, and that was the best investment that they ever did. It was amazing. Did they send you off with a big celebration? Yes, they sent me up with a big deliberation. A couple of them actually came to the airport, and it was they did what they would do for a boy. And Wonderful. that was yeah, that was amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And you know, so you, I mean, your story is you you tell it so simply and so beautifully, and and I think for our listeners, it's it's an extraordinary thing to just even take in the experience that you had growing up and um, the the way that women are are thought of um, in that society of your village and, and in that Kenyan rural society. Um, and to sort of grasp um, that here was this girl, you, growing up in this place and, and feeling, thinking, seeing, looking ahead and saying, this way that we do things is not the way that I want to do things. And then figuring out how to how to negotiate, how to how to take it upon yourself. There's so much courage in your story, Kenya. That's really what I'm trying to say. Thank um, you. Were you? I'm 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 also curious. You know the role models you had. You know your mother with her message of it about value of education, um, and you also seeing her working so hard and realizing that 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 there must be another path, and then maybe perhaps that teacher who you saw and admired. You know as you. As you think about, um, you know, growing up in this environment, it seems to me that you you focused on a picture of something different than what everybody else was seeing. Do you think that's true? Oh, most definitely. I think I, I mean, I used to, um, there was times that I would, um, I always had a different picture than what I was seeing in my community. I always saw, uh, I always envisioned and I looked to, um, uh, you know, a more free life, and 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 my when I was growing up, I I looked at a another girl that was not me. I looked at a girl who was out playing and enjoying herself, you know, wearing nice clothes and you know being happy. Even though in my situation that was not the case, but I had that picture in me, and I always focus on I I knew somehow that there's a a brighter future and a, a different hope for for people like me, but. That's what I focus. I focus on the positive and I focus on what what could be. And and I looked at myself and I saw myself in that teacher who was very hard, you know, very beautiful looking, writing on the chalkboard, very smart. And and so that is the picture I kept in my mind. Well, you know, I know we're going to take a break here in, in just a second, but, you know, I wonder, you know, as you... As we, we complete this segment, can you just quickly tell us, were you afraid to go to America? I wasn't really afraid. I just wanted to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's always the hope that, you know, I'm, I mean, the picture that is portrayed of America is a land of plenty and a land of, you know, where dreams could, you know, could be achieved. And, you know, it was, it was hope. I was looking forward to getting on the plane until I got on the plane and I was really scared. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that transition when we come back from the break. For those of you listening, this is Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. I'm your host, Kate Ebner, and my guest, Kenya Nataya, is an emerging explorer who's telling us an incredible story today. We'll be right back.
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. Today I'm talking with Kakenya Nataya, an emerging explorer for National Geographic Society who has founded a school called the Kakenya Center for Excellence in her hometown of Enosain, Kenya. And we've been talking this morning about her extraordinary story, how she, growing up in, a, in her village um, in Kenya, recognized the, a hope, a dream, and made that come true. And Kenya, before we move into really talking about your school, which we can't wait to hear about, I really would love to ask you to tell us just a little bit more about the transition, the, the journey from um, your your home to the United States as a student. Uh, where did you go for your education? I, I went to Randolph making a woman's college in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, I I came in 2000 uh, during winter, so I, the first thing that welcomed me in America is snow, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. um, and that is where I did my undergraduate. And I, you know, as I came here, I think I was very relieved to be out of my country, but then got very overwhelmed um, by what I found here in terms of a lot of information were available to me. Um, I looked about, you know, I learned about, you know, what actually happened to me when I was young, female gender cutting. I learned about children having rights to go to school and children, you know, not getting married when they're 12. And I learned that these things were against the law. And I, I just, you know, I was learning these things. But growing up in the village, we never had this information. There was no talk about it in the school. And I had to wait until I was much older to find out about them. And, and I, that really fueled me in terms of wanting to help my people and wanting to help other girls who 
while going through the same practices that I went through when I was young. What did you feel as you as you took this in? What did I feel when uh, when you when you were learning about this other way of of the world working? What were what were the emotions? It was I was angry actually, very angry. I felt that uh I felt that my country betrayed me because there were laws and books that never got implemented. I I felt that um some of the things that I was feeling from undergoing female gender cutting, I was not allowed to speak about it because it's normal, but I found out that it's not normal. And it really um so I I was I was you know, there were a lot of anger in me. And, and and really, I never wanted to see any girl go through the same things that I went through. I never wanted to uh, see a girl denied an education just because she's a girl. Um, so that kind of anger, um, I had to foil it to be something positive. So yes. Help others. <laughs> yes. I'm sure you did. What What did you study in school? What would, What was your major? I did uh, international relations um, and economics was my minor. And that also was amazing because when I was doing my international relations, it really took me out. You know, I was part of the Model UN and Model Africa Union, and I got to go to New York and be part of, you know, delegations of students from around the country and the world who were in New York debating about issues. And, and you know, knowing that we were just a Model UN, but there was actually an existing UN that could be solving the problems that we were talking about. Um and, you know, African Union, and, and so I became very active in, in, in the issues and, and the things that are affecting, you know, Africa poverty. I used to talk about them and, and because I lived it, and, and to us it was normal, but it was actually something that there was a bigger group of people who were working to resolve it, and they never came to my village. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. So you really had your eyes opened about what's happen- what's possible, what's happening yes. in the world. And and um, then you went on, I know, to um, to do uh, graduate education. Tell us about that. Yes, so after my undergraduate, I actually worked for the United Nations Population Fund for a year or two, nearly two years. And then through that, I became frustrated, I guess, in the in the system and and how bureaucracy just moving from one meeting to another meeting and. And, and, and titles meant a lot, and people wondered, you know, who, who, you know, what is your affiliations, and and through that, I got also like, I got, you know, I was like, no, I need to go back to school and 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 really do some good, you know, education. So I went and did my graduate work at the University of Pittsburgh, and I uh, did an education policy, and and I finished that. I mean, I finished my, I, I went the way I did my PhD, and finished it in 2011. Um, and went back to Kenya to really do what I love doing, helping girls. Helping girls. Yeah. And, and so there you did it. You, you fulfilled your promise, you know, to return to your village and, and to help others. And tell us more about the founding of the school. You know, was there resistance? Did people like the idea? Over the years, it, it, it's a gra- it was a gradual, um, thing, because over the years while I was here getting an education, I always uh, was fortunate to have people help support me to go back home. So I was always going home. And whenever I went home, I always made sure I met with the elders. I met with mothers. I met with, 
you know, I would ask where is so and so daughter. They would tell me, oh, she's been married. Oh, she got pregnant. Oh, this is what happened. And there was all those feed, you know, I was being fed about what was currently happening um, in my community. And whenever I read articles about, you know, child marriage or whenever I read chat articles about poverty in Africa, whenever I read, so that to me I was not reading. I was actually reflecting on what was happening in my village. And and every time I went back, I would talk to the women, what do you want most from me? Uh, how can I give thanks to you for supporting me? And, you know, it was women always wanted a school for girls because they, the girls were being raped on their way to school. And if they're raped, it is a mother's fault. And uh, she, you know, and if she got pregnant before she got married, it is the mother's fault. And, 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 and they just wanted a different, I mean, deep inside every parent, they want a good life for their kids, even though what the society is telling them, this is how it should be. And, you know, I, I would talk to the mothers and they would tell me that. I would talk to the men, they would tell me that, you know, men always said, oh, yeah, we need a school for boys, we need something for boys. But I always focus, I told them, you know, there are so many men who are educated. Why can't they do something for the boys? <laughs> Let me focus on the girls. And and they became very supportive of me. They um, they gave me land where we have the school now, where we build the school. They donated, the men in the community donated land for that. So it was a gradual, it wasn't just I, I went there one day and I said, I'm building a school and let's go. So over years, in 2009, when we started the school, I had been going to the village since 2005 talking about the school, talking about we need to do this, we need to do this. And there was a lot of, uh, when we took the first girls, uh, we didn't have funding. Of course, we had not even started building the building. We borrowed a small space. And I was thinking, we're going to start with 15 girls, and you know, so that because I just wanted to do something, because I was in the middle of my graduate work. And uh, doing a PhD is not a, an easy task. So I was in class, research, and everything. So I wanted to start with a small number. <laughs> and then the day we actually went to take the the, 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 the enrollment day, a hundred girls came. Oh my goodness! And I sat, I stood there looking at all of them, and I said, "How on earth am I going to support these girls?" And my 15 number ended up becoming 30. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, it was so hard to tell a girl, don't come, you know, we can't take you. And that really was overwhelming, overwhelming for me. And and it made, it was overwhelming, but it made also me that there was such a need that needed to be fulfilled. And so that's what I, I just, I said, let's take 30. <laughs> wow. And, and how did you... Uh, raise the funds for your school? It's a lot of friends. I did a lot of house parties and, you know, a lot of um, goodwill people that I've met over the years who really supported me through thinking, you know, we now apply for grants and all, you know, we do, we did a lot of, I, I had a very supportive, supportive team um, in the same process. They were applying for this 501c3 and I really have had people who want to do good, and, and they have been, I mean, they have, I mean, my board in, in, in the U.S. has been amazing in terms of, you know, lifting, you know, everybody opening their circles of friends, and, you know, we will go to one of them, and that one becomes 10, and, and one becomes, you know, 20 before you even know, and the word spread, and, and it's been amazing to really um, see a lot of support and people wanting to do good for the people, so, Yeah. That is inspiring. Yeah. And, and, and how many girls are there today? There are 155 girls at the school. And 
our first class graduating this year. Um, it's been, I saw them come in and seeing them now graduating, it's been a transformation in their lives. Um, the girls came in when they're very shy, very timid, uh, not doing well academically. They, you know, they, they were living a life that they know they're going to be mutilated and they're going to be uh, married off. And then they come to the school where we tell them that the sky's the limit and you can achieve your dreams. And we teach them about their rights, um, that they don't have to be mutilated. What does female genital cutting mean? What actually happens to you? What are the consequences that you find? And we talk to them about, you know, the effects of getting married when you're young. And we really open up their minds. I, I tell people, you know, I, they don't have to wait until they're in, in college to find out about it because by then they would be married. <laughs> by then they would have, you know, undergone through the cutting. But we give them the information at a critical moment at when they're 10 years old. And we tell them, this is what can happen to you. But if you, you know, we tell them also, you have rights and that they're able to voice their their rights and, and you know, their voice and they are heard. And, and, it, and it's been amazing um, now to see them. They're doing very well academically. They're among the top students in the district. And, and you know, boys are saying, you know, there's a very healthy competition because the boys are saying the girls cannot meet us and, and the girls are saying <laughs> the boys cannot meet us. And I say, this is great. <laughs> Well, it is great. It's really, it's, it's, um, it's an, it's just inspiring to, to hear about it and to hear the effects of education for this community. Um, we're going to have to take another break, Kenya. When we come back, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this and I'm going to be asking you to share your vision for all of us to hear and, and really understand the future that you're working toward. So we'll be right back. My guest. Kenya Nataya has founded a school in her hometown in, in, in Kenya. Uh, my name is Kate Ebner. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. 
We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate Ebner. I'm talking to Kakenya Nataya, the founder of the Kakenya Center for Excellence in Enosane, Kenya. Kakenya has received numerous awards for her work, including recognition as one of Newsweek's 150 Women Who Shaked the World in 2011. And Kakenya, I know you're out in Los Angeles this morning to receive another humanitarian award. Tell us about that. Um, yes, I am receiving an award from Feminist Majority, um, and it's a global human rights award um, for the work that we are doing in Kenya. Well, congratulations to you for Thank this you. honor. You know, before the break, we were really, we were really um, getting such a, a picture from you about the community and about the support for your school, um, both both in the village and then also around the world in the various communities you've connected with. And, you know, I, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about the school. You know, what do you think your school does differently than most schools in Kenya? Uh, one thing that we do differently, obviously, it is a girls' school. Uh, and also, we um, there are a lot of studies that talk about how girls learn differently. Um, and the, 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 the way we have our classrooms is set up is that it's in a table where girls are talking, you know, they face each other, and, and they have a way of, you know, having collaborative learning. Uh, we we have you know those who are the smartest helping those who are not probably like good in math, and 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 there's a so there's that environment of collaborative learning, and and more so we also um, you know provide enough learning materials because most schools in the rural areas don't have learning materials, and then you find that in a classroom there you know in the in the normal public schools there you know, 60, 70, even 100 students in one class, that means they're not getting enough, you know, enough learning because there's one teacher with 70 kids in a classroom. It's a disaster. Um, and so our school, we restrict them to 30 students per class. Uh, and the teachers are actually, they're able to do one-on-one teaching and, and actually tracking each girl and knowing their progress in, in their learning. And then we also have, um, we provide excellent and nutritious food, food um, to the girls, and also work with. Um, we we work in terms of uh, it's a boarding school. The girls don't have to be at home because at home, we we know that those who go back home every day they're at risk. Um, when we started the school, we actually it was a day school. The girls used to walk, you know, four to five miles each morning to come to school. That meant they had to wake up at four or five to be at school at 8 o'clock, and, and that was a lot of time for them, and they would be very tired. And there are risks on the road. You know, they can be raped. There are other predators that are on the road. And being in a, in a, in a boarding school, it's quite safe. Um, they, then they don't have to be at home washing dishes, cooking for the others, you know, helping in the house, because the life of a girl, a normal you know, a regular girl in the village is getting up at five. She's milking. She's sweeping the house. She's making tea. She's 
ensuring there's water before she goes to school. By the time she gets to school, she's already tired. She can't even pay attention to what the teacher is doing. In the evening, she goes back to the same. She's, she's running up and down, feeding her little siblings. And, and it's a lot of time for her, and they don't have time to read. So now at the school, these girls are reading throughout, and they're doing very well in their school. And we also teach them about their rights, um, the rights that they have a right as a child to uh, you know, to get an education. They don't have to be married when they're 12 years old. They don't have to be mutilated and uh, undergo female genital cutting uh, when they're 12. And we teach them about uh, that they can achieve their dreams, that they can go to high school, that they can go to college, that they can be leaders. And um, our girls tell us so many, all of them have great dreams. I mean, others want to be pilots, lawyers, doctors. And it's amazing to see that you know, we tell them that you can actually achieve your dream as a girl. So it's quite, um, it's a place of empowerment, and it's a place of um, ensuring that they, it, we prepare them for the future because, to me, those are my, that is my country in 30 years. They will be in great places, you know, they will be in leadership, they will be doing business, they will be everywhere, and that is where I want to focus my attention on. Well, I really understand that listening to you. And, you know, each piece of what you've described that your school does differently, first and foremost, it's a school for girls. Mm-hmm. It's a boarding school, removing obstacles and um, the exhaustion mm-hmm. of, of work for girls. Um, it's also a place where you're teaching them their rights mm-hmm. and helping them see that they can do anything. And, you know, each piece of that is so fundamental to the vision that you've begun to describe. I'm curious, you know, has there been any any negative backlash in the community about girls who are empowered in this way, or how has the community responded? It's been uh, interesting because one, I guess, the, 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 the chief just recently told me, Kenya, your girls are so empowered. They are reporting cases and bringing their fathers here, and you need to talk to their parents. <laughs> And it has been very interesting because the, the fathers have been really very supportive. You know, it's a, it's something that they are not used to. They're not used to a girl talking up to them and saying, look, dad, this is what I want. And, you know, at first they, you know, there's that, you know, they really want the girl to be good, but then they're like, I'm being <laughs> dominated here. I'm being <laughs> challenged here. Uh, but at the end of the day, what we normally do also at the school is we bring the fathers, the mothers, to actually see how the girl is doing academically. So for the first time, the father and the, and, the, and the mother are sitting down looking at the grades of a child, which they have never seen uh, in the past. And they're sitting down understanding why their daughter is getting 60 and or, or why she's getting 80 or why she's getting 90. And the fathers are saying, wow, I didn't know girls are smart. And, 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 they're, and they're understanding because in Kenya, you know, for most of our parents are not educated. They don't understand what it means to go to school. They don't even know if a child is, you know, failing or is doing well. They don't because that is not part of their life. And the, 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 the parents have, you know, they've been very supportive. Uh, initially there was a lot of, uh, oh, we have to, you know, mutilate our girls, but now they are signing a contract saying they will not force their daughters to undergo female genital cutting. And it's uh, something that happened because we kept just pushing and educating them about it. And, and now they're very supportive of what we do. Most of them actually want to bring their daughters to our school. And, I mean, we still have over 100 girls always applying each year. 
So wow. it's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, you said earlier in the show that, um, you know, parents, parents want the best for their children. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're, you, it sounds to me like you've been connecting with the parents, um, from the perspective of possibility, what's possible for their daughters and educating them about this opportunity and educating them about what's possible really for them too. And so, you know, it, it's, you know, in a, in a world where you could be, against it seems like you've chosen to be for yeah you you are and then the other part is like they also seen me i've become you know i'm a role model they have never seen what an education can do to a life of a woman and you know over years they saw me going to the local primary school local secondary school they supported me raised money they saw me through their entire life and they've continued to see me now and they look at me and most fathers, I mean, the girls and the fathers, they all want to, to, you know, the father wants to have a daughter like me, and the girls want to be like me, and it's just something that was not there, the, the, the role model of, you know, that I play, and actually, you know, telling them that anything is possible, and a brighter future is possible. You just have to be focused, and you just have to go for it. <laughs> you make it sound easy, and, 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 and certainly with the outlook that you have, it makes a huge difference. I'm curious, you know, what kind of an impact do you see your students making in your country and in the world? Maybe um, this is a good moment to talk about your vision. <laughs> I think that um, it is, it is um, I, I, I think when I went around the world and talking about the effects of, you know, child marriage and, you know, poverty and we talk about, you know, all the worst things that are, all the bad things that are happening in the world and, all you have to look is how did that come to be? And we go back to seeing we have many girls who are not in school. We have, um, you know, people who, who are in government who are implementing laws that are not, uh, you know, they're, they're writing laws, but they're not implementing them. And, you know, Kenya could, could be in a very, very different state than it is right now. You have very greedy people in power. And, you know, so there are all these Things that you look at and you think it's because of some people or people who are in those positions. And to me, is that, you know, working with the girls is that where you are cultivating them to know what is right and what is wrong, to stand for what, you know, they believe, you know, a better country, you know. And, and when I talk to my girls, I mean, they're saying, I want to be a doctor because this is what I want to do for my community. This is what I want to do for my country. And when you give them, uh, we also teach them about giving back and, and improving our world. And to me, you know, 30 years, as I said earlier, 30 years is that those girls will be running for office. They will be the ones implementing laws. They will be the one making decisions for greater things. And, and I know because of what we're doing to them, it's going to be a different outcome. They'll be more passionate, very inspired, people who have brains to do some good stuff <laughs> for our people. And that is really, for me, is a, a better future, a better future for my community, a better future for my country, and a better future for the world. Well, I know that your school is currently full with 155 girls, and I know that you want to make this difference nationally for Kenya and, and for the world. You know, Tell us about some of the other things you're doing to expand the reach of your school um, I know we just have a short minute here before we take a break, but tell us about the leadership camps and the standards. Yeah, so after we, I said earlier that, um, 
each year we have more than 100 girls applying and only 30 could come to the school. And I started envisioning what is happening to these 70 girls who are not in our school. Are they going to be married? Are they going through FGM? What is what is happening to them? And and that's when we really came up with the uh, the camps, the leadership health and leadership camps, where it's a concept of we bring girls from other schools that are not part of our schools, in who are in sixth grade, you know, seventh grade, and we teach them about all their rights. We teach them about health issues. We teach them about everything that we teach our girls. And in a, in a in a span of one week. Um, the girls learn so much, and they and they get you know they come in when they are very shy. They can't even jump rope because the society is telling them now you are big girls. You can't be playing like children. Until now, by the end of the week, where they are all jumping rope and singing and and just being girls because it's about the mental the mentality that the society is telling them this is how you're supposed to behave as a woman, but we tell them this is how you're supposed to behave when you're a child mm-hmm. because they are children. And it's a socialization that we really want to um, make them know that they are children and they have the right to be children and they're not supposed to be married when they're young because they are children. And and that is really making a big difference in, in, in reaching out uh, different parts of, you know, the community, reaching out to other girls that are not in our school. You know, we're going to take a break, but I want to share with our listeners that, you know, during our last break, we were talking just uh, quickly and you said that, you know, so often we tend to think that doing something important is a big deal. It takes a lot of analysis, a lot of thinking and planning, and you were just urging just do it, you know, just do it. If you see a need, just do it. So I'll, I'll leave our listeners with that. We'll take a break. This is Kate Ebner, and I'm talking with um, Kenya Nataya today. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back yet again. It's Kate Abner. I'm talking today with Kakenya Nataya, an emerging explorer for National Geographic Society. And we're really learning so much um, today, Kakenya, about 
your work and about giving girls a chance to develop through education in Kenya and, and really beyond. And, and I think you're, you're really, um, to me, illustrating the power of education with the stories that you're sharing with us. So I want to go back to what we were talking about before the break. And we were talking about the, you know, the full enrollment at your schools has led you to create these leadership camps and to develop, um, some very original, important curricular standards. Tell us more about the leadership camps. Um, how many how many girls go? When do they happen? We it happened. The the camps are mostly during the public holidays of the school. So it is in in April and in December. And what we've done in the past is you know invite. Um, we've so far we've had four camps and we've reached about two hundred and fifty uh, two hundred and thirty girls in the camps, and what we do in the camps is that the the health issues, we really talk about, um, because we found that in most schools, there's, a, there's, a, there's education, but it's not enough. Uh, parent, you know, but at home, it's taboo to talk about some things, and then we find the girls um, in a situation where they don't even know how to, when they're coming into age of puberty and the things that, the changes that goes on with them, it, they don't have a place to express themselves and they don't have a place, or they're not even prepared. Uh, we teach them about, you know, female genital cutting, what that is. We teach them about, um, you know, we even how to use sanitary towels and where to have access to them. And, you know, we teach them about um, defilements and rapes are a very big thing that is happening. People don't talk about uh, it, and it's uh, the girl's fault. And we teach them about how to avoid that by, you know, we, we have self-defense classes and really empower the girls so they know this is our right. And if it did happen, what do you need to do? You know, how do you report? Uh, how, you know, what are the steps that you need to do? And we really are opening up a place where girls can share and girls can feel confident and have information about these things. And we teach them about leadership. Leadership in terms, because our society, uh, our community, we, the girls are not supposed to look in anybody's eyes. You're supposed to look down because it's rude to look at the, the, the older people's eye or, you know, the, 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 the elders. And we tell them, no, this is you know, it's a form of oppression. <laughs> it's okay to look up and it's okay to say what you want. You have a voice and you have a brain and you can, you know, say what you have to say, and really impacting them because that is enabling them to be in class. When they're in class, they can raise their hands, they can respond, they can ask for help from the teacher without fearing that what is the teacher going to say. And so we're really helping them go beyond, and the camps have been very amazing, reaching. We, we hope to expand and expand in the next few years. Well, I, I, um, I'm curious about you know, the, the mutilation conversation that you're having with the girls and you say that they have rights. Can girls go home and, um, enforce their own rights? You know, how do they, how do they take this education and, and use it in a productive way? Do you teach them how to do that too? Yes, because I mean, the first place they have to know why it is wrong. <laughs> and, and when they know that, they know if my father does this, then we have to report it back. So they will write letters to us. They will go to the chief. 
and they say this is happening. So they report it. And when they report, I mean, there is a law in Kenya that's against it. You know, it's against the law to do these practices. So the chief has to enforce the law, and we work with them. When the cases are brought forward, we ensure that, you know, the girl is in safe hands, the father, we have conversations with the fathers. And, and the fathers are now saying, you know, this is a different generation. We don't even know how to deal with them, and it's okay. Just you know, they normally come and say, "Can you just take them? <laughs> do what yeah. you want to do with them." <laughs> yeah, so that's that's interesting. So the so you actually support them in in their success in exactly. bringing yeah. this back, and you support their communities as well. It sounds yeah. like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And earlier you mentioned that um, parents sign contracts that they will not do the gentle mutil- mutilation when they enroll. Is it when they enroll? In your the ones, school? Yeah, the ones in our school. Uh, it happened because one of the girls was going to be mutilated and she came and reported and, and we followed up and the chief was so mad because he said, how, you know, you parents are not supposed to do this. Come sign here, but you will not do it anymore. And now the parents don't have any problem. They sign it and they say they will never do that to their daughter. And if they did, I mean, we outlined these are the consequences that will happen because one, the girl is going to report him and then we know that he's already signed the contract, and these are the things that happen to you when you violate this contract. And it's been amazing. No one wants to mess with the law. <laughs> wow, that's very that's very powerful. Yeah. Um, so these these leadership camps do they last for one week or two weeks? It's one week. Um, in, yeah, in April and one week in December. Uh, we hope to make them actually every month. So not for one week, but maybe a three day camp over the whole over the weekend. And reaching really more girls because we have seen the difference. And I mean, the teachers from other schools are telling us, what are you doing to these girls? They come back, they are focused, they are doing well in school, they are, you know, they want to be the best. And it is, you know, those are the reports we're getting. And it's like, wow, we can actually scale this up and reach more girls um, wow. in, in ways that we, we've never even imagined. <laughs> One week and what a difference it makes. Yeah. You know, what do you think, uh, Kenya, about, you know, what's the difference between a woman leader and a man as a leader? You know, what, what, what do you, what's the benefit for Kenya of having educated women in leadership? I think, you know, women, we are all mothers. <laughs> Whether we have children or not, we, we, we have that caring heart. Uh, and we are more sympathetic to situations. And we, we tend to think of others most of the time than we think about me. And, you know, we put, you know, so if you have that, you know, group of people who are thinking about others constantly, who who are more caring about what will these consequences affect these other people, you know, they are thinking about others. It's, it's the most important caring and wanting the best for others. And I think that, you know, that having that group of people in power will always ensure that they're thinking about the country, they're thinking about the other group, not them. And that is what we want in leadership because a leader has to think beyond themselves, you know. They have to think about others. How do they make a difference? How can they bring good out of people, good out of their own, you know, country? How can they do that? And I think that makes a whole difference in terms of uh, women's leadership. Yes, thank you for that answer. That's um, that's really something for us all to think about. You know, I'm curious about where listeners could go to learn more about you and your work, Kenya, and if there's anything that you need in terms of of support that our listeners might be able to contribute to. Tell us, tell us how to follow and how to help. 
Um, there's a, if you go to our website, it's www.kakenyasdream, that's K-A-K-E-N-Y-A-S, dream, D-R-E-A-M, dot org, O-R-G. You would learn a lot about our work, what we've done, and then you'll have a link there to follow us on Facebook and Twitter because we update our, our people. And if you want to sign up for the newsletter, you can do that on the website too. We do a monthly e-letter that we send to our supporters. And there, so on the website too, you'll be able to know like how to support us in terms of, you know, it's always we, you, we buy uniform, we buy chairs, we buy books, we buy um, sanitary towels for the girls. Uh, and we um, really we do so much, and it's a school as any other school in this you know in anywhere you are. They need exercise books, you know, notebooks, pens, and all that stuff. So please we visit our website, and there you are able to donate to into the course that that are there. So thank you. Well, thank you for sharing that, and I know that that many of us will look into that. And uh, it's really nice to know as well the the difference you're really making. Um, I want to say thank you, Kakenya, for joining me on this show today. I know that our listeners have probably drawn as much inspiration as I have from this conversation. To me, your story demonstrates the difference that one person can really make. And, you know, I'd also like to say that um, when I think of you as an explorer, I think of you as exploring a whole new way for the people of Kenya and, and beyond to uh, to live, to lead, to be a community together. So your exploration seems to me even beyond education. It's really about finding a whole new way. Um, you know, if you're listening today and there's something you are thinking of doing with your life, I hope you'll do it. Kenya's example is one that gives heart to every one of us. Um, Kenya, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. And yes, go and do it. This is the time. This is the time. Have a great week, everyone, and don't miss next Monday as we continue our series. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.